I believe this month is going to be a very significant month in changing the course, not only of individual lives, but of families. You're going to gain insights into why certain things have been happening the way they've been happening, especially in your family lineage. This is going to be an unfolding story for the next several weeks. So as I advised the people in the first service, even if it can snow, you must come to church. Because not only are we going to preach God's word, we're going to take time to pray with you. We'll pray for, with you corporately, but we'll also pray for you individually, one-on-one. I'm going to lay a very broad foundation this morning. I might not be able to cover the entire ground I want to cover. Some of what we're going to preach is going to be hard-hitting. It's going to cause you to be very reflective. It might bring painful reflection. It might also bring light to things that you don't know why they've been happening the way they're happening. But I can promise you that at the end of every service, we will leave you with hope. You'll live here with answers. Because that's why the gospel came, to give us answers. I challenge you to be honest with your life, be truthful with where you are, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life because he's the only one who changes lives. I often tell people that, to me, church is God's ICU unit. Where he orchestrates in performing specialized operations to change people's lives and change their destinies forever. And God has never had a casualty on his operating table. Nobody dies in the hands of God. But if the patient will allow the surgeon of all surgeons to perform the work that he needs to perform, and as God takes the surgical instrument of his word and carefully begins to cut off certain things in our lives, and as he shines the light of his word in our hearts, let us respond to him. Let's not be embarrassed to respond to him. We don't have to try and please our neighbor. It's your life that we are talking about. And please, should I speak prophetically, don't think anybody told me about you. It could be the Holy Spirit just showed me something. And the only reason it comes out the way it comes out is because God is interested in you. There are four scripture readings that are going to form the foundation of our theme for this month. The theme is grace that has redeemed us from generational curses. Remember, as I told you at the beginning of the year, I felt in my spirit as I prayed that the next three years in our church, this year, 2023, 2024, 2025, will be the years of grace, growth, and gratitude. And that God is going to unveil things in that regard among us. So this month, we're going to explore the riches of the grace of God in the provision that God has made by his grace to redeem us and free us from generational curses. 
And so it's grace that has redeemed us from generational curses. These four scriptures I'm going to read will seem totally unrelated. But as we go through this session, we will connect the dots for you. So fasten your seatbelts. We're in for a good ride. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10 in the New King James Version reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. This verse tells us that for us to be saved, it is not through our works. You don't have to work for God to approve you and change you, right? He did the work of saving us. He did the work of providing the platform for us to be saved. You'll note in that verse that the word save and the word salvation in other translations are used and they all mean one and the same thing. God has provided salvation. God has made being saved possible. And this verse tells us it is not through our works, but it is a gift from God. However, even if it is a gift from God, every gift that is offered must be received. If I say to this young brother here in front, uh, here is a gift. Now you can see he's looking at me, he's smiling. Now even if genuinely I may be giving him this gift, but because he is looking and smiling and not reaching out to receive what is be his, he cannot take possession of it. So even if grace is offered, grace must be received. And so I'm offering you grace, Manesh. Not like in the first service, Taya is symbolic. This one must come. You see, he's coming to receive what I have freely offered. Note, he didn't have to work for it. He didn't have to labor for it. He didn't have to beg for it. He didn't have to fast for it. All he needed to do is to get up and receive it and stretch out his hand. Thank you. The same applies to the grace of God. In this grace that God has given freely to us that we don't work for, it comes from him. It's not our works lest we should boast. But the grace God has given, we need to be received. Many people listen to messages, listen to preaching. They hear what we're saying. They hear what the word is saying. But their pride keeps them back. They're afraid of what people will say when we call them to respond. I want to challenge you today. Respond to the grace of God. Receive what God has freely given to you. Note it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, like the song that we sang, God was thinking about you. And his thoughts about you are good thoughts. You see, you and I, we are God's handiwork. And God's intention is for you and I to walk in good works that he himself prepared for us even before we were born. God decided that you are going to be a successful person. You are going to be a prosperous person. God decided that you're going to walk in health. You're going to walk in ability. You're going to walk in spirituality. God decided before you were born, you will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. But the question is, why are we not experiencing it? I'll tell you why. Because maybe we never got up to receive what God has given to us. 
We never got up to receive the grace of God. But also sometimes it's because there was a door that was opened that has blocked what rightfully belongs to us. As you will see in the passages that we are going to explore. The second passage we're going to read is Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So the Bible tells us, you know, there are these things called curses. And curses are real. I'll define what a curse is later. But let me say it to you. A curse is an invisible force that comes upon a person's life and mostly upon families that causes things not to work. As families that are riddled with all kinds of problems. A curse most of the time is present when you see a family being characterized by certain bad things. You find families that can never be at peace with each other. They're always fighting. Families that give themselves to abuse of substances. They drink, they smoke. It's a whole family. There's families where the men never get married. They get children everywhere. They never marry. They stay at their home by Rekoborons. And they stay over at their home. And even when they pass on, they don't have a family. They've got kids everywhere. Their life hasn't gone anywhere. And yet they are intelligent, capable people. But you see it in the family line. There's families that are killed by certain diseases. There's families that die in car accidents. There's all kinds of things that we can talk about. These things that come upon families. But the opposite is also true. When the blessing is there, there are families that are blessed. There are families that you know they're successful. There are certain families, they're rich families. And they got their riches the right way. And anybody who gets into that family gets rich as well because it just falls on you. So when we talk about the reality of curses, Jesus came to redeem us from curses. Because curses can only be removed by the power of God. There's no other power that can remove a curse. God thought so seriously about curses that when Jesus was nailed on the cross, the people in the time of Christ who were Jewish, who understood the Old Testament, understood what God had declared way back in the Holy Writ, that anybody who is cursed by God will be crucified to a tree and he will be thrown outside of the city. And so Jesus, when he was crucified, he was crucified on the Mount of Golgotha, outside the city, on a tree. So they understood when they looked at him that that man over there is cursed by God. What they didn't understand was that he wasn't cursed because of what he had done. He was taking your curse and my curse so that we should not walk in any form of a curse. And so when we receive salvation, when he saved us, he made sure we are delivered from curses. But the question is, why is it that sometimes we see curses in our lives? It's because sometimes there's a door that was opened that we were not aware of. Sometimes that door dates back many, many, many years before you were born. And because of that door, problems come. But it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might become upon us. Your portion is to be blessed. You should be walking in the blessing. Okay, they're not saying anything here. Maybe these ones, I said you should be walking in the blessing. 
Okay, let me try this once. I said you should be walking in the blessing. Blessings are your portion. That's what Jesus bought and purchased for you. That's what he did when he died on the cross. The Bible says we were redeemed. Christ has redeemed us. It's a very interesting term. The word redeem means to buy back or to buy out of. And it is derived from the practice of those days wherein they used to have slavery. So somebody would buy people and make them his slaves. And then they would, because they had a lot of slaves, they would take some of those slaves and go and sell them at the slave market. So you'd come to a slave market if you wanted to buy a slave and then you would pay an amount of money which is called a ransom. So you pay a ransom, watch this now, and the act of buying them out of slavery is called redemption. So you pay a ransom to redeem them. Once you redeem them, they no longer belong to that slave master. (laughs) They belong to a new slave master. And the value of the slave was determined by the slave owner. And if you really wanted them, you could even pay a premium price. Oh, Jesus came to the slave market. And there we were in the slave market. But when he looked at us, he attached so much importance and value to us that he said to the devil, I will not buy them with silver or gold. They are too valuable. I will buy them with my precious blood. And I will pay with my blood so that they change kingdoms and they change lords and they are bought out of the slave market and now we become the slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen? And so Christ has redeemed us. But he redeemed us from that slave market of curses. And it brings us to a new freedom of blessings. Uh, I don't know about you, Maranako Sheba. All I can say is, you are blessed. Ah, uh, you didn't hear me. I said, Naku Sheba. I can say you are blessed. Maybe we're not on a lady party, but Nakiri, you are blessed. Maybe you say, Totahawa, Elizabeth, Mara. I say, you are blessed. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. Blessed. But why is it that we're not walking in the fullness of the blessing? It's because there's a door that was open that has blocked the gift that has been freely given to us. There's a door that was open that is interfering with what God has given us. That's what we're going to learn in this series. We're going to shut that door in the face of the devil. Hey, somebody shout in the house. I want to shut that door in the face of the devil because we don't belong to the kingdom of the devil. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The devil is no longer our Lord. Our Lord is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ, the the first and the last. Jesus Christ, the bright morning star. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. So Christ has redeemed us. He's brought us out of the curse of the law because he became a curse for us. He took our curses. 
Unkile senyama saka. Unkile dipati saka. Unkile kuponzi wahaka. Eh, can I hear a good amen in the house? And that is why if gona le party, it's trespassing in my life. If gona le kuponzi wa, it's trespassing. Maybe there's a door that's open. Maybe konento engai boniga ase. Mara Satan, I am giving you notice. We're about to shut that door in your face. In the name of Jesus. So in 2 Samuel chapter 21 verse 1, the verse that Bishop Noaka read, Prophet Noaka read, a very troubling verse. During the reign of David, there was famine for three successive years. So David saw the face of the Lord. And the Lord said, it's on account of Saul and his bloodstained house. It's because he had put the Gibeonites to death. There are times in our lives where certain things happen to us and mostly to our families that seem to carry on from generation to generation. And it looks like these things are unstoppable. Could be good things, but mostly it's bad things. Cases of bad things, failure, chronic sicknesses, early death, all those things I was talking about. In cases of good things can be success, health, exaltation, and all of that. In fact, when you look at certain people's lives, and mostly in their family line, they have a prevalence of certain things that are happening repeatedly. And these things seem to be tied to the family lineage, and they are moving on from generation to generation. So, some of these things can happen to you sporadically. Okay, so if you happen us sporadically, no, it's a case, it's not. We get attacked. Right. However, when there's a presence of a case is when these things seem to be encoded in a family lineage. As far back as you can look in your family, there's a certain pattern in a corner. I was telling them on, uh, on Thursday, that uh, where we grew up in our area, there's a family in one of the areas there that had a very strange condition. I'd never seen that condition. Even in, in medical science, I, I, I don't know if they know it. Then they, they had this part of theirs. They told me what it was, but I can't say it. Pardon? Nasal septum. Is, what is this? This is called the nasal septum. You know this part? Two partitions. And there's this thing in between. What do you call it, doctor? Nasal septum. Shababa. Water. Water, water, water. Hey. Nasal septum. This family, in fact, I confirmed with Muruti Teddy Boy, who is in the same area, even with Bishop Matole, he knows the family. I don't know if my bishop would know because it's in the area. There's a shop we used to buy from, so I don't want to be too detailed about it because I'm just explaining. This family used to have this thing eaten out. Yeah. They just had one big hole. The whole family. And you would see it when it starts. You know, you would see, you know, you know, you reputed. And it was eating out. I, I remember that, you know, I once, many years ago, 
I went to see a family member at Baraguanath, and there was a, another family that was not necessarily more township. I wouldn't want to describe what, what uh, ethnicity they were. It's not important, but I just wanted to explain that it was not, you know. And they'd come to see their family member, and there were many. They came in large numbers to see this family member. And then I noticed the one child, as they were talking, when they turned their head, they were twitching. Twitching. And then all of a sudden I realized the whole family was twitching. The whole family, from the youngest to the eldest. You're twitching. So when you see these type of things characterize a family, there's a serious problem. And this is where Jesus comes to deliver us. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Yeah. So the scripture we have read, David comes into power as a king. He, he, he becomes the successor of Saul. When he gets into power, for three years that happened in his life, there is famine. Now, David, understanding what the Bible says, cannot understand why is there famine because, note Barcelona, in these three years of famine, David realized this is God's judgment because famine in these days was God's judgment. It was a sign of a curse. And you can find it in the following scriptures. They will show them on the screen. I'm not going to read them. Deuteronomy 11, 17. Deuteronomy 28, 23, and 24. Leviticus 26, 18. And 19. And then 2 Chronicles 7, 14, 7, 12 to 14. Write them down. In all those scriptures, the Bible is very explicit that if people disobeyed God, among the many things that would come upon them, famine would come on the land. And this famine would cause their soil to be powder and dust. And it even goes further that things will be eaten away from them. You see, when a curse is present, it eats away at everything you have. You can't understand why even if all things been equal. You should be having certain things, but you, you can't make progress. You are earning enough money. And by the looks of it, things should be okay, Mara. You are constantly in debt. And Chanata Hailekane, and before Khwedi Fela, Uplat, Ulais. Doesn't make sense because one of the Characteristics of a curse is that it eats away at what you have. That even on months when the money is there, some crisis comes up. So you live from one crisis to the other. So even if and it should be enough, what the Bible calls the canker worm and the palmer worm. And it takes the power of God to reverse that. takes the power of God to reverse that. I was telling them on, on, on Friday, I was in a range farm talking to the pastors there. I, I was sharing with them some of the things, you know, and I was talking to one of the ministers, Kiri. You know, one of the things I'm beginning to understand a lot, Bazalana, please, Mamelango. I think mainly because, you know, there's been a lot of criticism leveled at us 
in our kinds of churches because we talk about finance and so on. And I think sometimes there's been an exaggeration. And I think people have gone overboard. But I want to say, Bazananati, we mustn't be afraid of money. In the Bible, Mamela, God made people to be financially well off. They were not necessarily millionaires, but God wants you to break even. God tells them in Deuteronomy 28, he says, you will, you will, you will lend, you will not borrow. All the time. It's not right. It's not right. God doesn't want you to live there. So we, we must preach this gospel. We mustn't perpetuate the spirit of poverty. Poverty is a curse, Bazalwan. Now, I'm, I'm clever enough and I'm academic enough to understand that there's poverty that is systemic. I know enough as an academic that the poverty in South Africa was caused by oppression. I understand that. So please don't go. But we can't always be singing that. There comes a point where God has come on now. Am I talking to people? Listen, listen. This church was not built by millionaires. This church was built by the regular blue-collar workers, Mosoweto. Because when the blessing of God comes upon you, it takes the little, it makes it much, it increases it. Oh, I see God increasing it in your life. It's not always about having a lot of money. Oftentimes it's about God preserving the little you have. And God making the little that you have to stretch. There are people, even if you give them a new thing, there's an invisible force on them where any new thing you give them, by vitis. It's new marabai ravas. And they don't even know how to stop the ravazi. But part of wealth creation and being wealthy is to be able to sustain what you have. So when you buy cars, lili lidalebo naso. Yeah, why ravas? When you still have yours. So when you buy the second cars, yeah, now he still only has one car. When you have two cars, now but you are sober and no, you rich, no, you just a chillet. There's a blessing. That has been, ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. As Africans, you know, you, you, you give your children flocks. So you give your two boys, both of them. But the one under the ravazing, it's just this invisible power that anything they touch doesn't work. You find you homotamona hadiswalini. But the other one, Homutahai, Hadiswala Namane A1, Ditswala Namane A2. They all started on the same footing. Mara, somehow there's an invisible power that makes this person's resources to be more. But there's another power that makes this person's resources to be eaten. Takes the power of the cross to change that. Ah, come on, shout somebody if you believe that. Come on, shout somebody if you believe that. 
uh, shout because I see God getting you out of that cycle. Shout somebody if you believe that. Takes the power of the gospel. Bazalan, I'm telling people that we mustn't shy away from presenting that gospel. Because that's the gospel. Don't tell me that poverty is what God has tied to us as black people. I have no time for that. I don't want to hear that poverty is destroying our people out there. Are you there, Bazalan? Are you there, Bazalan? I see the power of God coming upon you. I see God delivering you in your families. It's okay. I said it's okay. Because they can't work it out. Why? Why? Recall the same amount of money. Why? 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 Are you doing this? So Christ redeems us to put a blessing. So when David saw famine coming, he said, I don't understand. Because now I'm righteous. I don't understand. I'm praying to God, I'm a righteous man. I don't understand. So what does he do? And I want to advise you to do what David did. He sought the face of the Lord. You see, some of you, you have given up on fighting off these patterns. You have surrendered your freedom to a life that is not the best for you. You even have privatized it to say, go high. Go higher, pillar You are tying a curse to yourself through your words. But God brought you here ah, to, to shake things and David decided, I'm not going to submit to this and live under this because what I'm seeing doesn't match how I'm living. Call the problem. So what does he do? He goes to God. He says, God, why? God says, it's not because of what you've done. It's because of something that has happened in your lineage. Something that happened when you were not there. And because you are in the same family, you are in the same lineage, this thing passes on to you. That is why Saul killed people. Saul did evil and he opened the door. No, no, I must close that door. And I see you closing that door. Ah, somebody shout, I see you closing that door. I said in the name of Jesus, God's going to give you the ability to close the door. So many times there are historical things that have gone on before us. Things that were done by previous generations that affect us and we come under the dark cloud of their actions. 
of the ones who have gone before us. And that's why I said it is only through God's intervention that the dark cloud can not only be removed but dispelled. It is only through God's intervention that instead of darkness, light comes in. And I've been a pastor long enough, Barcelona, to declare this boldly without shame, without apology. I've seen people in a church who come from abject poverty, serious poverty, or serious sickness and disease, or serious family dysfunction. Serious, not small. Not small. But as they stayed under the word of God, as they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, as they applied God's word, over time it changed because Mamelamba Zalana is not going to change overnight. Things have gone wrong for many generations. There's been a lot of darkness injected into the system. It's not going to change overnight. One day is one day. And that is why God has saved you. Because God wants you to be the pioneer. God wants you to be the one who goes before. God wants you to be the one through whom the family history is going to change. That is why the devil attacks you so much. Because he knows if you can continue serving God. If you can continue praying. If you can continue using the word. God is going to inject a new DNA in your family lineage. That's why the devil is fighting you so much. That's why when Paul was talking to the Philippian jailer, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You are here as the contact point for your family. That is why it's important for you to stand your ground, Mzalwana. Ah, come on now, because, because the destiny of your family, the destiny of your lineage rests on your shoulders. Hey, don't drop the ball, Mzalwana. Be strong in the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. So David realized, it's not because of me. Couldn't I wrong up? And the only way to know, and the only one who will show you, is God. God showed him, your predecessor. And they're always telling people, that's why when you inherit a new office, whether it's an office by function or an office by building. Don't just walk into an office and sit on that desk. You don't know what happened when you were not there. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. That's why we dedicate the lands. When we buy land, we go and dedicate that land because on that land. We don't know the demonic spirits that have come to camp on that land. So when we dedicate the land, we are saying we have come to give you notice. It's not even 30 days. It's immediate eviction. We are here. And every place upon which the sole of our foot shall tread upon, the anointing that's upon our lives gets on this place. No demonic power, but the angels of God come upon this place. The Holy Spirit comes upon this place. Ah, somebody shouted us. So when you get into a new office, it's Fafatamadi. Maria Jesu. Ah, come on now. Fafata Metsi Alen Sulamudimu. 
speak the word over the place. Make a declaration. Pray over the place. If he will not be able to stand your prayer. Somebody shout it. Oh, yeah. And so Proverbs 26 explains what David understood. It says, like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. I'll show you the Bible. In the New English translation, it says, like a fluttering bird, like a flying swallow. So a curse without a cause does not come to rest. The Bible in basic English says, as a sparrow in her wandering, as the swallow in her flight, so the curse does not come without a cause. Which means, wherever you see a curse, there's a cause. And conversely so, wherever you see a blessing, there is a cause. Which means we owe it to ourselves to also investigate our family lineage. To understand the things that happened in our family line. Because the demonic spirits and evil systems that affected our forefathers and foremothers tried to continue that pattern. That even if you are David, you are good. When you look at your life, it doesn't match who you are. But this verse says there's a reason why there's a door that was opened. That's why we have to be truthful in this series. There are certain things some of you are going to have to discard. There are certain things that some of you are going to have to throw away. Certain beliefs, certain artifacts that you have to throw away. There are certain words that you're going to have to change. I'm going to close right now. I'm going to close right now. I'm going to close right now. I heard a story this week that really shook me to the core. This minister who was running a Bible school had a, a young student who came and studied at their college and after he graduated, he left to go into a different sector and not necessarily into ministry. And by the way, that's not a problem at all. And so this young man had moved to another city, had come into a different church and unfortunately he got very ill and went into a coma. So they called this man who knew this young man because he used to be in the Bible college. They asked him, please, to come and pray with the family and, and join this pastor. So he says, I, I went to the hospital and this young man's pastor and myself spent time praying for hours and hours. Now, let me teach you something, please. There, there is a continued steadfast prayer 
which is important. Right? But there are times when there's no breakthrough and the prayer is not going to be answered. It takes the Holy Spirit to show you the difference. Now, all things being equal, when we pray, we believe that's going to be answered. We should do that. But if you see certain things persist for long and without changing and for too long, there's a problem. Could be sometimes that prayer is not even the solution. Something else needs to be done. I'll explain in the coming weeks what I mean by what I just said today. So you have to come the next weeks. <laughs> Nevertheless, this minister said, and I'd encourage you, Baruti, and many of you, I was telling Pastor Dick this past Friday, I thank God for the teachings we got at Rema. I'm being honest with you. I know Rema doesn't teach us certain ways of approach, but there are certain practicals in the way we were taught. One of them being how to be led by the Spirit. How to hear when the Spirit is talking. It's an invaluable lesson. I'm being honest with you. Of the many things in ministry, that one for me ranks high up there with many others. So he said, God told him by his spirit, he said, look, this young man is not going to leave. And further proceeded to say, you can't reverse that which has been agreed to by covenant. And he, says, he said, I didn't know what that meant. So I then spoke to this young man's pastor about it. And because it's a pastor, I told him, look, I, this is what I feel. And the pastor said, I agree with you. I feel the same. So they went to the ICU unit, called the family, and didn't go into much details with the family. And they said, look, we think we should pray for the young man, rather release his spirit. Because see, when you pray for people like that and you come for prayer, you stop them from dying many times. Uh, okay, I won't get into that. I wanted to, but time is not on my side. Nevertheless, so the family agreed. So he's, he's in a coma. So they spoke to him called him by name and said, look, we are all around you. Thank God he was a Christian. And don't ever feel sorry for Christians when they pass. When a Christian passes, it's not a loss, it's a gain for them. They're going to heaven. So, yeah, we, we, we are in pain as people here. But where they're going is a better place. If you were to ask them to come back, they would just say, look, I love you, Maram, not coming back. So they, they, they called this young man by name. Look, he was in a deep coma, but when they called his name, he, he responded. Didn't answer back, but they saw him reacting and responding. And they said, we're going to pray for you and release your spirit to go home to heaven. These are dimensions that people don't know. So this young man smiled. And a few hours thereafter, he had gone home. So at the funeral, this minister came and as they were doing the viewing of the body, he went to the younger brother of this guy who was just a year younger. I mean, they'd grown together. And he said, you know, the other time when we were at a hospital, and these are things that you don't stand on the pulpit and preach, eh? You understand? You don't go to the funeral. I said, God told me when we're praying for him, hey. These are things that you do in secret. You become discreet about it. So he called the brother to the side. He said, Bona, the other day when I prayed, I felt God said this to me. I might be wrong, but I felt God say, look, there are things that have, covenants that have been made in the past that I cannot change. So when I said that, this young man jumped like I'd stuck a pin in him. 
He said, wow, you are right. My brother and I, when we were young, we were just joking around. And both of us kept saying we will never live past the age of 40. Yeah. He said, but we were just kidding. We were just joking. We were just playing around. And so this young man then called the mother. said, mom, you know what? This minister has just said to me, he said this, the mother said, yeah, no, I know that because just six months ago I was with your brother and he said the same thing to me. This young man died, he was 39 years and a few months, never reached the age of 40. He's a Christian. He's born again. He's guaranteed a great life. But a curse has landed. But a curse doesn't land without a cause. Watch. They couldn't reverse. They couldn't reverse what he had covenanted when he was living. It's only he who can reverse it. I'm going to show you in the coming weeks because a curse or a blessing are words that are spoken. Sometimes we say things we don't mean. In our moment of despair and anger, we say things about ourselves, about our family, about our children, and we wonder when it happens. But today, we're going to reverse all of that in the name of Jesus. Now, let me be sure I get this in before I close this service. Some of you are here today. You've been invited. You've, oh, you've come on your own. and you, you, you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord. You've been running away from God. Maybe you've been turned off by Bazalwan because of things they did and things they said. You find yourself in this place, and as you sit in this place, the truth has come to your heart with so much force that you realize that God's finger is pointing in your direction. In the same way, grace is offered. I'm going to call on you to receive the grace that God is offering. How so? I'm going to call on you to commit your life in prayer. I'm going to call you to the front to pray for you. It's up to you what you decide. You haven't received Christ. You know that you're not living for God. We don't have to argue about that. You know it. Maybe you've tried to live right. You've really tried to do things. It's not working. You keep slipping back. Today is the day where God wants to turn things around. And I want to pray for you. May we bow our heads, please, and close our eyes. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you say, Bishop, my life is not right before God. I know it. But I need God's help. I realize He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness. 
and is a God who's able to turn things around. I need my life turned around. I want to give my life to Christ that he come into my heart and be the savior and lord of my life. Would you please pray for me? Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If that is you and you need prayer, would you raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. Raise it high without shame. Raise it high without apology. Raise it high without being afraid who's going to say what to you. Just raise it high. Now remember the lady I was talking about is born again already. So she doesn't have to raise her hand. But the ones that I'm calling here, you've never received Christ in your life. Or you did receive Christ, you just never lived for him. Or you never just understood what you did. But today you want to recommit your life to Christ or receive Christ for the first time. Thank you for those hands. Would you kindly stand, everyone who raised their hands? Would you stand on your feet, please, right where you are? I want to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. you are standing. Take all your belongings, your Bible, your bag, your purse, because I'm going to ask you to walk to the front and the ushers will show you. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. I want to pray for you here. Give them a hand. 